let's talk about money. Let's talk about all this effort that we're putting in to build businesses. Ultimately, what is it for? There's something more than just making the money, right? You have to be able to understand how to control and possess this money that you're going to be making with this business. There are lots of people out there, celebrities, politicians, normal everyday businessmen who have been able to make a bunch of money and then they find themselves in prison because of it, right? Or they find themselves broke all over again because they didn't know how to handle that money. So it's one thing for you to be able to make money. It's another thing for you to be able to manage money. And I feel like in the business world, one of the things that gets neglected a lot, because there's so many people talking about becoming an entrepreneur and how you go about it and this technique and that strategy and this method and that method. But what people neglect tremendously, in my opinion, is what do you do with the money once you've made it? Because all you ever hear them talking about is how to make it, but you don't hear them talking about what to do with it once they've made it. And I find that a lot of people do really stupid stuff after they've put in all this hard work and sacrifice, spent a ton of time learning, spent a ton of time perfecting their craft and being able to generate income, which whatever method they go about doing that, and then they go out and they spend it on jewelry in cars and riding around in private jets and renting out yachts and making themselves look flashy to all their poor and middle-class friends. Complete stupidity, right? That's what you want to do? Be my guest. But in my opinion, it's completely stupid. If you want to build wealth, those things that people always want to do, those things that they attract your attention with so that you'll click on their ads or you'll sign up for their courses and all this kind of crap, sitting in front of a Bentley, sitting in front of their Lamborghini, standing in front of a big old mansion. Like, okay, I understand people are attracted to shiny objects, but you shouldn't be having those shiny objects in your actual life unless your finances are ridiculous. And when you look at billionaires, like Warren Buffett is a good example. Jeff Bezos is the perfect example. Even Mark Zuckerberg is a very good example. These are people who have so much money that their children's children won't be able to waste all of that money. You know what I mean? Like they're going to have to really get creative to be able to waste those fortunes because they're so big. So what does that end up creating in them? It puts them outside of consumerism. So all those symbols, all those status signals, right? The car, the house, the boat, the jet. Those are all things that are basically for people who could not have those things throughout their entire lives. If you look at a Warren Buffett from a pretty early age, probably like his early 40s, maybe late 30s, he could have those things with, you know, unlimited amounts. Jeff Bezos obviously was able to have those things in his 30s and 40s. And Mark Zuckerberg was able to have those things in his 20s. Right. And there's a bunch of other guys as well. Why do I use them as examples? Because these are people with so much money that they still drive old cars, that they still live in their original homes. Warren Buffett lives in the same home he bought back in the 50s, right? These guys, they can have just about anything on earth. You see the sheiks with their 24 karat bathroom 
you know, faucets and things like this on their 747 jumbo jets. These are people who just don't know what to do with the money. You see, they have way too much of it. They don't know what to do with it, but they still have not stepped outside of consumerism. Maybe they're doing it because they're trying to keep up a certain status in the region of the world where they're from, right? Maybe in Saudi, that's viewed as a necessity. But these tech billionaires and these finance billionaires, a lot of them, that's just not how they get down because they're outside of consumerism. And why am I going on about being outside of consumerism? Because the fastest way for you to grow your wealth, if you're not going to be some tech aficionado, some tech genius, right, is for you to live a modest lifestyle, even though you have money to live a lavish lifestyle. Because there's the key to all of this, and that is, if at any point in time, your business stops, will your lifestyle change? And if the answer to that question is yes, then you're living the wrong lifestyle. See, your business should be able to continue indefinitely if you build it properly. You should be able to build a legacy business, a business that will live beyond your own natural life. Your children, your grandchildren should be able to pick up the mantle and keep it going because you've already built in systems and processes and you've hired well and you've created a culture. And so now you have this living organism, in a sense, that will continue to keep itself going. All you need are the managers at the top to not mess it up. Right. Then you go and you live a lifestyle that for the rest of your days, you're going to be comfortable. You're going to be able to travel anywhere you want to go. You're going to be able to eat anything you want to eat. And you're going to be able to put whatever clothes you want on your body without an issue. Right. But in order for you to do that, the smart way you live below your means, not at or above your means. This is why all these athletes, you see them with these diamond lace chains and these huge rings and these fancy cars, right? And then five years outside the league, they're going bankrupt, right? Not a whole lot of them are building legacy businesses. And I understand that's not what they perfected, right? That's not the craft that they were perfecting all those years. They were perfecting their physical abilities to perform and entertain in the sports world. But with all that money that they're getting and these off seasons that they get, they should be looking inside and saying, how do I ensure that I will have this for the rest of my life long after I'm not playing this game, right? And so you have a few people out there who are like that, right? Marshawn Lynch, he used to play for the Seahawks. He also played for the Raiders. He basically lived on a $250,000 salary, even though his contracts were for millions of dollars per year. And the reason why he did that was because he wanted to make sure that he would have money for the rest of his life. So he lived well below his means. Rob Gronkowski, who's a famous tight end for the Patriots and now plays for the Buccaneers, he also did the same thing. He never cashed any of his NFL checks. He only lived off of the money that he made through sponsorships. And that doesn't mean that he lived, you know, tight because he obviously lived well, but he has all this money for the rest of his life that he hasn't even touched yet because he has a mentality of I'm going to make this last to the end of my days. You see, 
And so just like that, there's a bunch of guys out there who have figured this out, but the majority haven't. And so I'm bringing all of this to correlation because when you start making this 10,000 a month, this 20,000 a month, this $100,000 a month, if you run out there and you go get the brand new $100,000 Tesla and you go buy the $3 million mansion and you start taking, you know, trips to Tuscany and all these kinds of things, and spending all this money and buying all this lavish stuff to impress people who generally don't even like you and probably wouldn't be spending time with you if you weren't paying the bills on what they eat and what they wear and where they're going, then if you start making 10, 20, 30,000 a month, 100,000 a month, right? A million a year, 2 million, 10 million, whatever it is, and you wanna give yourself this lavish lifestyle, you're gonna have to make sure that your business is going to always be able to provide that for you. And that's all of our goals, but we can't guarantee that. So what we should be doing is planning for the future and living below our means today. Right? Like some of these smart players have done it. Like a lot of smart investors have done it. We need to be outside of consumerism. And so if you're going to go and you're going to live in a way in which you're trying to build wealth, then you need to know how to manage the wealth once you acquire it. On that note, I want to talk to you about Bitcoin. I want to share a story with you. Many years ago, I was living in the Caribbean and I had a friend who told me about this thing called Bitcoin. And because this guy was younger than I was, didn't have a whole lot of experience in life, And he's talking to me about this thing that just sounds unrealistic. He's saying, you know, there's this digital currency and it's really, really cheap right now. It's only, you know, whatever, $100, I think it was, or something like that. And uh, someday it's going to be worth thousands of dollars. But you buy it now for 100 and someday it'll be worth thousands. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is something that's created by hackers out there or some computer geeks. And I don't trust it. Like it has no proven formula, doesn't have a track record. It just, it didn't smell right to me, right? But later on, I went and I looked into it because I was reading about some people in China who had server farms who were mining Bitcoin. Basically, they were doing the computational work in order to get paid a fee to create Bitcoin, right? And so when I looked at that and I saw that this guy in China was making a bunch of money, like this rang my bell. It reminded me of my friend who had talked to me about this previously. And I started to talk to my wife about it. I was like, you know, it might be a good idea to invest some money and just make one of these mining boxes and see what happens. And at the time I was very involved in, you know, what was going on in my life. And so there was like a topic of conversation for a day or two. And then it kind of just faded away. It wasn't something I was super focused on. Fast forward a couple of years and Bitcoin hits like almost 20,000 because the other thing was there was this website called the Silk Road and Bitcoin was associated very much with that website. And you had like, you know, people hiring killers and selling drugs and doing all sorts of prostitution and weird stuff on this website. So much so that the guy who ran the website ended up getting life in prison. And so because it had that like, you know, seedy connotation to it. That was another reason why Bitcoin put a lot of people off and myself included. So long story short, I missed out on the first Bitcoin wave. And after that, I was saying to myself, like everyone else, damn, I should have gotten into it. You know, when it was super cheap, now it's at 20,000. Then it went down to 10,000. Then it went down recently, you know, to 4,000 again. And at the time I was like, you know what? I should buy a couple Bitcoin like right now. I should just do this. You know, hindsight is always 2020. So I bought less than I should have. 
Um, but I did buy some. It's crazy because in the midst of all of this virus stuff going on, uh, Bitcoin has climbed to double what I paid for it. So I got in at 7,900. I bought some Bitcoin when it was at 7,900. And I was kicking myself because I was like, man, I could have gotten in at 4,000 just you know a month or two ago. And I'm buying now at 7,900. But I did. And now the Bitcoin has gone and doubled. And so yesterday I was looking, you know, because like I, I have some stocks, I have some Bitcoin and I don't look at it too much because I'm more of like a long term investor. I figure I made the money. I'm going to put it in this vehicle. It's going to go up and down, up and down, up and down. And 20 or 30 years later, it's going to be much higher than what I got in at. And I'm going to have a good return on my investment. And so I was looking yesterday just, you know, to get an idea. And I saw that it had doubled. What I was thinking was how many opportunities present themselves like that to you on multiple occasions, right? And you just ignore them. And I think that in that same way that, you know, this whole Bitcoin thing has blown up, there are going to be lots of opportunities in your lifetime and in my lifetime that we'll see early on and we'll think, yeah, that doesn't really have that much hope, but will later on blow up. So once this has happened to you a couple of times, you should really be keen on trying to figure out, is this worthwhile getting into now? So I'll give you another uh, example. When my kids turned 15, I put them in a charter high school, and one of its selling points was that they would teach the kids to program for virtual reality, right? And very soon afterwards, like within the year, my kids were uh, certified in a software that's used for gaming called Unity. So there's these two major softwares, right? One is Unreal Engine, and the other one is Unity. And basically any game that people play on their computers or their phones these days are made with one of those two backbone software. So just think of it kind of like the operating system for the games. And um, my kids learned how to use Unity because it's one of the, the bigger softwares that's used in like the whole virtual reality headsets and stuff like that. And so they learned to be programmers for that coding language, which also goes along with um, the actual coding language called C Sharp. And... Um, at the time, they were telling me, you know, Dad, in the future, this is going to be used for architects to design buildings and for, you know, plumbers and engineers to design the way that they're going to run their electricals through warehouses and the plumbing and things like this. And I said, you know what, if that were to happen, this software is going to be very, very valuable. So I jumped onto Google and I wanted to see the stock price for Unity. And as it so happens to be, Unity at the time had an IPO. They hadn't released their stock to the public. So I went on to Google Alerts and I set up a Google Alert called Unity IPO. And every now and then Google would send me alerts about news or information on the web related to Unity having an IPO. So this went on for about two or three years. And just recently, Unity was getting ready to IPO. So the Google Alert was now sending me news reports about Unity getting ready to IPO. And so I knew that as soon as Unity goes and releases their stock to the public, I'm going to go buy some because I know the future of this company and I know the trajectory that they're on. And so I went out and I did that and I got in early, right? I didn't get in the very day that they IPO'd, um, but I did get in that week. And as it stands right now, the Unity stock has been steadily climbing. It's been doing pretty good, even in the midst of all this virus stuff, right? Where the stock market's kind of up and down, up and down, up and down. But like I said, 
I'm not a day-to-day kind of stock buyer. I just buy and hold. So I'm planning on holding it for decades. So I know decades from now, I'm going to look back at when I bought this Unity stock and I'm going to go, that was a good investment. Like I used that insight, that foresight to say, hey, let me make some money here off of a little bit of money. I'll make a lot more money, you know? Um, So what I'm trying to say with all of this is you have to get outside of consumerism and you have to learn to manage your finances in a way that are going to ensure future growth and future stability, right? You want to build a legacy business. So you want to build a business that's going to be around a long time. You want to build a business based around systems and processes and a culture that is strong, right? And that will continue to progress even when you are no longer around, okay? Because even if you decide, hey, that's not what I want, when you build a company like this, that is something that is very appealing to people who buy companies. So if you say, you know what, I've, I've come to the end of my road, I've done this for 10, 15 years, 20 years, I'm good, I want to get out. Now you have this business that could easily run for another 50 years, 100 years. That's something that's sellable. That's something that's attractive to investors. So you want to build your business that way anyway. And in the midst of this, you want to make sure that your business's finances and your personal finances are running a way in which you live below your means. You don't need to spend every penny you get. Some people, they get money in their pocket and it feels like it's burning a hole. They have to spend it. You have to resist those urges and find ways to use that money so that it will grow on its own. There's a great book that I always recommend to people. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon, and it teaches you a lot of these concepts, right? And I recommend it in my own book because I think that it's one of those works. There's a couple of them. I have about a handful of of books that I think should be read each year. You know, I was just telling this to my kids in the car yesterday. And I'll, I'll make a future episode where I go into detail on that. But this is on that list of greatest books because it's so simple. It's, it's so easy to consume. It's very small. And it's the kind of thing that if you actually put into practice the principles that it teaches you, you will see the rewards in your very own life in a short period of time. This is something that is essential to your business being successful long term. A lot of people make the mistake of learning how to make a bunch of money and they never learn how to manage the money that they make. And so later on in life, when they no longer have the capacity, the drive or the ability to continue to make a bunch of money, they end up being broke. So I would hate to have that happen to any of you. I would hate to have that happen to anyone in my own life. And so I wanted to share that information with you today. So as always, I hope that was helpful and have a blessed day.